Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Today is the last message in the series that uh, we were doing. Uh, It was called, You Asked For It. And in this message, a question was asked, and I'll answer that question during this message. Where does faith begin and doubt end? Where does faith begin and doubt end? Now, I'm not going to talk about, I'm not going to really talk about the, uh, the beginning of faith as far as when we are born again, God has to give us, of course, the saving faith, and, and uh, we all have gifts once you're born again, and those gifts, uh, God has given us a measure of faith to operate in those gifts. Uh, we're not going to go there. We're, we're going to uh, assume that everyone is saved, which I know they're not, and we're going to offer an invitation at the end, but the message is going to assume that you you are, and praise God for for the salvation of our souls. You know, I'm, I'm really appreciative to God for saving my soul. In the, let me give you a little background on this, on the the question is it's really, even though the question was, and they are asking, where does faith begin and doubt end? And they were asking this question because they tend to, and, and, and non-Christians, they tend to watch Christians, listen to Christians, and then they get mixed feelings, mixed vibes, mixed information. Uh, and, and it was like that with me before I got saved. Um, I didn't know who was a Christian, who was not. I just knew who went to church, who said they went to church, and who said they didn't, and who said they uh, served God and uh, joined church and all those kind of things. But it was a disconnect between what was said and what was done. And this person, they... Does, they don't want it to be that way. They want it to be whatever you say, that's what you should walk out. If you believe it, do it. And so, the, so they, they were wondering, where does faith begin to really do what God says to do? And where does doubt end? So let's jump into there. And you know that God can do anything. You know that. There's no question about it. But just in case you're wondering, let me read you a couple of scriptures. And Luke it says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Now I know everyone here believes that. Whether you're saved or not saved. Yeah, well, I don't know that though. though. But if, you, if you're saved, you should know that God can do anything. There's nothing impossible for him. And when I was thinking about that, I was thinking that 
God has shown us so much how great he is. And he was telling the children of Israel, he was saying, why is it that you don't believe me? Why is it that you still don't believe me? Because all the miracles that I did in Egypt, all the things I've done for you in in this wilderness, and you still don't believe me. Why? These ten times you've you've tested me, and and, and you still don't believe me. And, And we can wonder, well, when does doubt end? When does it really end? So I said, well, God, it's that way with me too. I, ha- I, have, to, I have to learn that I want doubt pushed out of my life. That's what I wanted to do. And in and, 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 and Genesis it says, is anything too hard for the Lord? And, of course, the answer is no. At the time appointed, I will return unto you, and according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And we read these things, and we say, yeah, yeah, go get them, Sarah and Abraham, yeah. yeah. But let me tell you, we know if we were in that situation, what would we say? Probably if Abraham told you, hey, guess what God told me? He told me that Sarah's going to have a son. And uh, I said, wait a minute, how old is she? And we know at that time she was probably around, around 89, somewhere in that neighborhood, because I think she had, had a child when she was 90, and Abraham had it when he was 100. And you said, now she was barren all the days leading up to that. Barren, couldn't have any children. What would we tell Abraham probably? If he had told us, hey, my wife's going to have a job, well, what would we probably say? We'd probably say, if we're a Christian, we'd probably say, yes, we believe it. There's nothing too hard for God. Would we say that? Probably not. Probably not. I know I wouldn't. I'll say, yeah, okay. I hear you. What did you eat last night? Yeah. In Jeremiah, says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And the answer, of course, is, is no. There's nothing too hard for, for, for God. And there are many, 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 many scriptures. I just want to read a couple of them because I want doubt pushed out of my life. That's what I want doubt pushed out. I want it pushed out of your life. Because the promises of God are yes and amen. And he doesn't tell us something. And then he says, just kidding, just kidding. I know I said that, but it was just to give you a little hope, you know, so you can uh, smile a little bit these days. No, whatever he says, he would do. He says the word of God will not return void, but it shall accomplish that which he pleases. It will prosper whereto he sent it. That's what he said. And I want to say amen to that. I want to say, yes, God. 
I believe you. But I know that I'm no different than the people in, the, in Scripture that didn't believe God. So that's the, the background of the, of the question that was asked. And so the first thing we want to do is to believe that our faith must grow. Our faith must grow. And our doubt must go. That's it. Those two things, we're going to have to believe that. And so we're going to talk about faith doing the whole message and doubt a little bit. But we want to push doubt out the door. We want to kick it out of our lives because it's not a good thing. In Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 3, he says, Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if you if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive me. Then forgive him. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And that's what we'll say too. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you will say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, that's what God said. If we had faith as a mustard seed. So I know my, my faith can grow. You know it in, from Romans. Let's look at Romans chapter 10. And you know, you, you know it by heart anyway. Verse 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ or concerning Christ. And some say the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So we know that faith can grow. Faith can grow. I want my faith to grow, to grow, to grow, to grow, to push, push, and push doubt out the door. That's what I want. Because after all, if the scripture says, if you're sick, call for the elders of the church. And they anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith over you. And the God will raise you up. Now, suppose I don't have great faith. Suppose I have little faith. You see, now it gets to be a problem because you're depending upon me doing what the scripture says. So I, I must push and push and push till I push doubt out the door. 
We don't want uh, somebody to ask us to pray for them. And we pray for them. And then after we leave them, we say, man, I pray, but I tell you what, uh, there's not much hope for that person. They're in the fourth stage of cancer. You know, they, they've had five heart attacks. You know, they, they you know, they lost about 70 pounds. They're going to die. They're going to die. But I pray for them. But I pray for them. Do you know that's actually done? That's actually done by probably all of us. At one time or another, we probably have prayed for somebody and didn't believe what we prayed. Didn't believe it. By the way we acted, what, how, you know, what we said and things like that. And sometimes it surprises us when a person gets well. Really? Really? God doesn't want that. He wants us to pray in faith. He wants us to act in faith. He does. I tell you, God is so good. He really is. Let's look in James chapter 1. Let's look there. And let's look in verse, start in verse 5. Let's start there. Because doubt has to go. It's not a good thing. It has to go. Verse 5. But if any of you likes wisdom, and you know, that's, that's the number of verses we had about a couple of months ago. Let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach. It means he doesn't find fault. And it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Doubt must go. Doubt is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. And God said without faith, it's impossible to please him. So doubt must go. And our faith must grow. It must grow. And I want mine to grow. So I I want us to be working together, being strong in the Lord, in the strength of his strength. That's what I want. Because we need each other. If I need prayer, I need you all to pray for me. I need you to pray in faith. I don't need you to pray in doubt or with, with some doubt in there and vice versa. You want me to do the same thing. We need to do that with our relatives and with our loved ones with our, and our co-workers. You want, you want somebody to say at, at, at work, hey, if, if Jill prays for you, you're going to be healed. 
things going to be all right. You having problems at home? Get Jill to pray, pray for you. Get Sally to pray for you. And you can't do a lot of those things at work, uh, but secretly you can, you know, on, on, your, on your break, on your lunch hour, whatever you, you get, you, you, can, you, you can do that on your break. You can you say, hey, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Because they know that you are a woman, a man of God, and that you get results because you trust God. You, you believe in God. And you know that whatever he says, he's going to do. And, and that's how you carry yourself that way. Doubt is a bad thing, I said. It must go. Doubt is defined in, in, in Greek as to be in strife with oneself. That's a woo-hoo. To be in strife with yourself, in other words. That is, to doubt, hesitate, waver. You say this, but you don't believe it. You believe it now, but tomorrow you don't because the circumstance changed. We would just waver. That's what doubt is, to be in strife with yourself. When did Jesus, Jesus' disciples, get to the point where they had pushed doubt out. They had pushed it out. No more doubt. Because, obviously, it wasn't at first. Obviously, it wasn't at the end. Because I see all along some of the things that were, were they were saying and going on. And, and matter of fact, Thomas I don't know why they named him Dalvin Thomas, but uh, Thomas, he was, he said, I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. I got to, I, I, I put my hand in the side, I can, I, I feel. But Jesus said, this is the man who doesn't, doesn't see, but believes. So God wants us to do that. I said, God, I need to be able to do that. I need it. I need my faith to increase. I need it. I know the faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I know it's a preached word. I know I got to, I got to listen to the word. I got to read the word. I got to, I got to do all those things. God, help me. And I don't know many people to say what the man said uh, that one of his son delivered uh, from a spirit, and Jesus said, "Well." Do you believe? He said, I believe, Lord, but help my, what? Unbelief. Wow. When did this disciples do it? And, you know, the first, the first thing we can probably think about, I know when they did it. I know. I know. When the Holy Spirit came, 
That's when everything changed. Do you know anybody who's born again? Because when you're born again, you do have the Holy Spirit living in you. Because if the Holy Spirit is not in you, you're not born again. You don't have the Spirit in you. So you, you say, well, everybody who has the Holy Spirit then, there's no doubting. Total faith. Total faith. But I said, well, hmm, it can't be just that. I know, I know Peter was a different person when he, when, when the Holy Spirit fell. as a different person. But was it in a doubting? Because I know that we all who are born again have the Spirit of God. And I know that it doesn't matter whether you're baptized in the Spirit, saved, Whatever, I know that people doubt. I know that Christians doubt. I know that I doubt. And you say, well, who? You doubt. Yes. Yes, at times I do. And at times I did. But I'm definitely getting better, that's for sure. Because, because that's the, uh-uh. Doubt has to go because uh, that's what God, God said to me, you know, you, 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 can't, you can't operate like this. You just can't operate like this. You just can't do that. I got things for you to do. I got places for you to go. I got, I got stuff that, that only faith is going to take. It. I said, okay. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16. Now, you say, you might say, well, this is not a message for me because I don't have any doubt at all. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh. Verse 6. And Jesus said to them, Watch out and be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They began to discuss this among themselves, saying, he said that because we did not bring any bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, you men of great faith, no, you men of little faith. And he's talking to the, these are the disciples now. These are the ones who later the, the apostles and, well, my goodness gracious. Why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember that's one thing that uh, God pointed out to me in, uh, during this message that if you don't have understanding, Willie, you're going to doubt. Doubt going to creep in because you don't have understanding. You must understand spiritual things. And that's what he told him. You, you know, uh, do you not yet understand? 
and remember. And see, a lot of times we don't remember. We don't, we don't just, and that was one of, in another message, we said, hey, you got to recall, you got to recall, you got to rehearse these things because God wants to build on these things. He said, you don't remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets full you picked up? Or the seven loaves of the, uh, the 4,000 and how many large baskets full you picked up? How is it that you, don't, you, you do not understand? So let's stop there. Now, you would think that if he did that here at Cornerstone today, he came and said, okay, here's a fish and a loaf of bread. I'm going to feed your whole family, every, every last one of you, for a whole week with just this. Each one of you, I want you to just to take a piece of it and just take it home and you'll never have to buy anything, go to the grocery store for a whole week. You can eat fish and bread. And suppose it happened. Do you think we'll be worried about it if, if he said, hey, I'm going to come over to your house to eat and you say, oh, whatever. we don't have anything. We got to go to the store. Because that's what David, it's like David, he, he had just done this big miracle. And they were discussing about, oh, we don't have any bread. Who cares if you don't have any bread? This man just fed 5,000 people, men, not counting the women and children. And, and, and you are concerned about some bread? See, they didn't understand. Do we understand? Do we understand what God has done? And you, you just think about, here he, here he has, here's Joshua fighting. And so he makes a statement to God. And because he wants to continue fighting until he wipes them all out. He doesn't want the sun to go down. So he said, hey, sun, don't go down. Uh, I want to finish. We're going to finish uh, uh, wiping them out. And then God stops the sun. Mid sky stops it. So mid sky, you know, he's going to be around 12 o'clock. He stops it. He stops it now. And it stays stopped. And the moon also stays stopped for approximately a whole day. Do you hear what I'm saying? That means that it's 12 o'clock now on a Sunday, and then at 12 o'clock tonight, it's still the same daylight, sun's still the same place, and it goes around until it gets about 24 hours a whole day. The sun still hasn't moved. Joshua's still fighting to wipe some out. And we say, well, God, I need, I, I know you said this in your word, but it just don't look that way, Lord. It just don't look like 
you know, this is going to happen. It doesn't look like I'm going to have money for retirement. It doesn't look like, you you name it, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't look like, you know, this is going to happen. And God has done all these things. Great things has he done. Great things. And yet, we think that it's hard for God to do this little thing. I bet you it's not a, uh, let's say, a man. Let's, let's, let's put that. I bet you it's not a man in here that would say, uh, I'm not going to worry about gray hair because I'm going to pray and I know that God can make my hair black all my life. I can be 100 years old and still have black hair because I know God can do it. And, and if I told you that, what would you say? You, well, you might be a little late because you already got some gray hair. See, I I believe that if you look back now, see, I'm not just throwing a, a message out here just to, you know, this is a message I got off the internet. Uh, this, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell you what God's saying. God wants our faith to be great. That's what he wants. And I think that we don't trust God enough, believe God enough, for the great God he is. Oh, we say it. Come on. We sing it. But do we believe it enough to walk it out? That our our children and our neighbors can say, that man right there, he walks the talk. That woman right there, she walks the talk. She just doesn't go to church. She lives it. And that's very important. To live what you believe. So, I wonder when, it's just a question I asked to ask you, at what point did the, did the, the disciples stop doubting? You know, at what point? At what point Are we going to push doubt out and faith going to grow to the point where it's, it's, too much, it's too much faith for doubt to ever try to creep in? There's no room for it. None whatsoever. Let me ask you another question. When did the centurion, centurion where did he get such great faith? The centurion, you, you know. Let's look at Matthew chapter 8. Let's look there. When did he, where did he get this faith from? I mean, he wasn't a Pharisee. He wasn't a Sadducee. He wasn't, a, you know, somebody schooled in all this, the law and everything. Where, where did he get it? And these are questions I just asked, you know, because these are questions that came up in my heart that God is asking us, 
And I have to say, hmm, God, you know, share it with me. Verse 5. And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him, and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority, also with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my, ser- my slave, do this. And he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following Truly I say to you, I have not seen or found such great faith with anyone in Israel. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. Now I said, ooh, 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 ooh. Where did he get all this great faith from? Where did he get this understanding from? I said, oh, okay. Now, evidently he, of course, knew that Jesus had authority. And anybody who has authority has to be under authority. You don't have authority without being under authority. And he knew that if you're under authority, you're representing the one that you are under. And when you tell the person that's under you, hey, do this, you're speaking in the name of the person who is over you. So those people that are in, in jobs that um, you have uh, people who you are under, but then you've been given people who are under you also. You understand that. But see, this, is, this centurion, this centurion knew something that the Israelites didn't know. He was acting on something that was in real life, and it was true. And he believed that was all his, all his heart. He believed that. It was, I, I guarantee you, it was no doubting in that man's mind that Jesus, all he had to do was speak the word. 
Speak the word. Are we that way? That's how I want to be. And so that's what the message is about. I want my faith to grow and I want doubt to go because I want to have, I want, to, I want, I want Jesus to say, oh, you of great faith, Willie. Boy, I don't want him to say, oh, you of little faith. My goodness, come on. How long am I going to have to keep telling you the same thing? He said, well, he won't tell you that because he's nice. <laughs> yes, he's nice, but he wants me to operate by kingdom rules. Yeah. Why did Peter begin to sink? Why did Peter begin to sink? And all of you know, I'm sure you know, you know, he was too heavy for the water, right? Let's look in the scripture and, and see what we already know. Because, see, Peter began to doubt. Let's look at Matthew 14, chapter 14. Let's, let's look at, start in verse 28. Peter said to him that, you know, the Lord is walking on the water. He sent them out uh, and they were in the middle of the lake and they, 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 they storm and everything. He come walking on the water. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. I wonder what was he thinking. I don't think I would have said that because I would have sense enough to know if I'm a, you know, um, special fisherman that there's no way I'm going to come out there and the wind is acting up and everything. Jesus might not be able to get to me before I sink. But he had some faith, though, didn't he? He had to have some faith. Come on now. He had to have some faith for him to have said that. And then to get, get his little self out of the boat. He had to say, he had to have some faith. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on water. Woo-wee. Now, how many people do you know has ever walked on water? Besides Jesus now. Y'all know that? Y'all got any neighbors like that? Nobody. So, so, I mean, Peter did something. I mean, he, he, he's tough now. He's tough now. He's actually walking on the water and came towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his, his hand and took hold of him. Now, I probably wouldn't have done that. I probably wouldn't have reached out and grabbed him. I know y'all probably would have done it for me, but I probably wouldn't have done it for you because you know, even from taking lifeguard classes, 
If somebody's drowning, don't go and get right up on them. Because what are they going to do? They're going to pull you right on down. So I know that if Jesus is walking on the water, see, if I'm walking on the water, if I reach and grab this man, he got to weigh at least about a, 110 at least. Now, you know this man is, is a fisherman. You know he's probably around 130, 140, 150, 160, 170. He's, he's got some weight on him. What, what do you think going to happen to Jesus when he grabs him? Unless the water, it doesn't matter whether he's walking on water, whether he's standing on water, whether he picks up 100 pounds, 200 pounds, 300 pounds. Jesus is not going to sink. He's not going anywhere. Not going anywhere. And I, when I thought about that, I said, man, that's a miracle. Now, it's a miracle that he's walking on water, but it's a miracle that he can grab this heavy man and lift him up and put him in the boat. And he's, and he's crying out for help. And you know he's all flashing and all dashing and everything, trying to grab a hold of Jesus. And Jesus hadn't, hadn't, hadn't moved not one bit. Probably Santa's didn't even get wet. And I said, man, this is a miracle here. This is a great miracle. And I said, wow. God, this is so good. I, I, I don't, I'm ashamed that I don't, have, I'm, I don't already have great faith. As great as Jesus is. I know y'all are not. But see, I, uh, because you're not supposed to get ashamed because, of course, Jesus, is, he's paid a price for everything and, and he understands we just dust and all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, I'm embarrassed to have as little faith as I have. And if you ask, ask me this Two years ago, I would say, oh, I got great faith. I got great faith. You know, you just, you, what, what, what do you want? Just tell me what you want me to pray for. I'll pray for you. you know? But I'm, 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 I'm working on, I'm, I'm working on going before God, crying out to God, God, help me. Help me because I want to be better. I want to be more what you want me to be. I want to be more like you. I don't want things to throw me for a loop. I don't want just because I get a cold, I'm going to wonder whether I'm going to get pneumonia again. Why should I when the word said that, that Jesus fulfilled that which is spoken by Isaiah the, the prophet? He took my infirmities. That's the weaknesses now. That's the weaknesses from any disease. He took my infirmities and bore my disease. So any disease you have, he bore it on the cross. Any weaknesses you have from that disease, he took it. So that came to me when I, I said, God, I don't want to go back to the hospital again, God. I, I went three times with pneumonia last year. I don't want to go back again. Why are you whining about going back to the What did I say in my word? What did I say? You took my infirmities and bore my diseases. Why would you think you're going to go back? Because, you know, I, is, I have a weak immune system. And the oncologist told me that be careful. He found out the other, last, last week that I was, I was going, earlier this week, that I was going to um, be teaching this morning. He said, oh, he, man, 
Look, you better lay low, boy. Don't, don't you be hugging. Don't you be getting all close to everybody. You know you got a weak, weak immune system. And I could say, yes, you're right. I do. But I said, wait, wait a minute. I have a strong immune system. I have a strong immune system. Because you, you got to be like Jesus if you want to, if you want to walk the walk. You're going to have to talk the talk. Because Jesus called those things to be not as though they were, Lord. That's what he did. He called those things to be not as though they were. What did he tell Abraham? What, we read it. This time, next year, you're going to have a son. Sarah's going to have a son. Yeah. He could have said, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You talk, you talk all you want to, but I know Sarah ain't going to have no child. You can forget it unless we adopt somebody. You can forget it, you know. No. God calls those things to be not as though they were. Gideon. What, what did he call, what did he say to Gideon? He talked faith talk to him, didn't he? He talked faith talk to Abraham. Changed his name. So every time he said his name, he, he'll, he'll understand who, who he's going to be. We have to learn, stop talking the talk of what you see. Because, because I want to end with our five senses, your hearing, you know, you're seeing, smelling, tasting, feeling. Those things can deceive you. That's what it did to Peter, didn't it? He was walking on the water. He was going to Jesus. Then he saw the wind boisterous. I mean, he, so he, he saw it, and he, what else, heard it. And he probably felt it. And so those things can't lie what I see. Right? What I feel, they must be telling me my brain the truth because they feed information to your brain. So therefore, I'm going to sink. So he starts sinking. Instead of seeing... Instead of hearing and feeling the wind, he said, give me your best shot when, when I'm going to Jesus. He could have said that too, could he? But he would have been calling those things that be not because, see, as a fisherman, he knows how serious it is when the wind starts going up and, and doing all that kind of stuff. He knows. That's why Jesus had to tell him, say, hey, Hey, look, oh, you're a little faith. What, what, why did you begin to doubt? I told you to go on over to the other side. And here you getting out, out, out here, you know, think you're going to sink. I'm here asleep trying to get some rest so I can, I can uh, do some good deeds when I get across. And you're waking me up, talking about the wind and all that kind of stuff. You see, but see, the officials, they knew that it's a serious thing when the wind comes up. It's a, it's a serious thing. But see, he wanted them to just say, be still, wind. Quiet when? What is he asking us to do? In our situations. I'm saying if we're gonna if we're gonna grow our faith and doubt gonna have to have to go, 
We're going to have to start acting like Jesus. We're going to have to start believing the word. If he says, call those things that be not as though they were, then we better call them now. Especially if he says what they are. If he says that, that I have already fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, that I took your infirmities and I bore your diseases, then you better start believing it. You better start believing it. And when you start believing it, start acting on it. Start acting like you're healed. Start acting like you don't have infirmities. Start acting differently. Because you'll be acting like what the Word says. See, we think if we act that way, we'll being uh, ridiculous. Because obviously, obviously, Willa Taylor, you're not healed. Obviously, Steve, you're getting old. Obviously. I can look at you and tell. But, suppose God told you, you and Ma are going to have another child. Oh, look at you already laughing. No, man, you just, you just stir about like, boy, y'all are laughing. But you, you don't want one, I know that. And don't go home and tell Ma that because, because you might not make it here next week to sing. You know, God's good. I was- Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.